On May 30th, 2000, my dad had 1,300 pounds fall in an industrial accident, fall on his neck, crush his third and fourth vertebrae in his spine to dust. It was no longer existing. He laid there on the floor for 10 minutes, was revived twice, brought back to life, was a quadriplegic, meaning he could not move from neck down within one week began to walk and I'm bringing this up to you because the workers insurance compensation agency that Ontario has WSIB that is supposed to care about you know workplace injury all of this they really don't care So the reason why I'm bringing this topic up is because on Instagram, of all things, I was seeing this sponsored ad pop up consistently by WSIB. WSIB stands for Workplace Safety Insurance Board. What they focus on is health and safety at the workplace. So on May 30th, 2000, my father had a workplace injury. He used to work at the brick, you know, the brick warehouse that, you know, sells you your your tables and your chairs and your mattresses so he used to work at the brick and was in a trailer and he said all he remembers is that he he remembers like the trailer shaking and you know what 1300 pounds i don't know if people can grasp that like i think when i was a kid because when this happened i was in the first grade um now that i'm older throughout the years i've realized 1300 hundred pounds fell and crushed my dad's vertebrae to dust the third and fourth vertebrae okay they removed a bone from his hip to replace it he has two titanium rods in his neck then mind you those are like it's metal okay try in the winter time when you open your front door it seems a little bit jammed because the metal has swollen he has it in his neck, okay um he had a halo placed and when you put a halo in you know, they do those four like holes in your head. You have to be conscious for those things. And so this is the extent of his injury. He's literally a walking miracle. He was a quadriplegic, could not walk from neck or could not move from neck down. And within one week, my dad somehow, by the grace of God, thank you, God, was like, uh-uh, John, now is not your time. You're not going to live like this. I'm going to give you another chance. And so this is where the story begins. So you think you get in a workplace injury that you, you know, you're supported by your company. You would be covered by insurance because that's what happens when, you know, people get sick at work. They get paid leave. You know, their company like takes care of them. They take care of the family. And so when I came across these sponsored ad posts by WSIB about the day of mourning, and that's on April 28th, every single year, they declare it as a day of mourning, remembering those who have been injured and lost their life to workplace injury. And just a disclosure, I have full sympathy for anybody who has had someone they love, you know, suffer a workplace injury, and even furthermore, have lost their life. All right. So these things really do happen more than you you think it happens. And I don't want to ever take away from, you know, the, the the families who have been affected and WSIB has helped. But when I came upon these sponsored ad by WSIB, I kept noticing that, you know, there were some, no, you know, comments I would say, you know, thank you for supporting me and my family after the loss of XYZ, whoever the family member was to them. And then there were also other people who were like, 
FWSIB. You guys don't give a shit about people who are actually injured. I've been waiting for my settlement claim for X amount of years. I've been doing this. And then I was like, oh my God, it's not just us. Because from a little child, from being in the first grade now to being 27, I remember the years of hearing my dad on the phone with this caseworker. I will never forget. Her name was Stephanie. Is that if Stephanie watches this, I hope you understand that me on the other end of the phone, a little girl used to hear her dad pleading with Stephanie to make it right, to make it make sense. Okay, because of the extent of his injury. Oh, my gosh. Y'all want to know what they did to my dad? And I'm not exaggerating for nothing. I'm not exaggerating for nothing. And this is why I want people to know, you know, for the extent of his injury, you know what they did to my dad? They paid him $49 every two weeks for four years. It's not just inflation, like, oh, $50 could have gone a long way back then. No, it couldn't have. Okay, that's inhumane. That's not enough for people to, it's not enough for one person to pay for living accommodations, to pay for food to eat, nothing. $49, this man broke his neck neck at the workplace was dead laid dead for 10 minutes this is sick you see this strong black man you know capable to their eyes he's walking to the doctor to medical records he was a quadriplegic but now you're able to walk you must be able to go out to work and they don't realize that you know his children see him at home a big man my dad as a little girl my dad's the strongest person i know i i really still think i'm like don't test my dad eh even at over 60 years old, like, I can see the strength of my dad. Don't do that. And seeing him as a grown man, tense up, like, just lock up, like, urgh, like, just, like, in agonizing pain. Anytime any weather hits, rain, thunderstorm, snow, forget it. Those titanium rods in his neck, like, he always says he can never describe the pain. Like, he tries, it's like pins and needles, but constantly, and it never gets better. It's something he's just had to, like... You know, except that he'll have to live with for the rest of his life. Like a lot of people who have injuries have to live with a chronic pain. As a child, my family had significant financial problems. Um, we didn't have money, as you can imagine. There was just my mom who had her income and then, you know, had to make it work for my mom, my dad. Um Thank God me and my sister had my grandparents who you knew the situation. So they took me and my sister on and they made sure that we were always good. But nonetheless, uh, times were hard, you know, like watching my parents financially struggle uh, largely because of my dad's accident. Because my dad wasn't a lazy black man. He, w he wasn't not working. But I had a job. My dad had a good job and he worked. He worked every day. He worked like a regular nine to five job. And then his inability to work because of his work accident is like a slap in the face because you know what they told him? They said, you know what? Okay, you're walking now. You're healthy. Okay, so you know what we're going to do? We're going to send you back to school to upgrade. And I remember literally dropping my dad off and he went to some computer school. Okay, this man from Guyana, they said that this is a good fit for you. They gave him a few options and they said, okay, well, th this option seems the best. We're going to send you back to, to, I think it was something to do with Microsoft. We're going to give you some like computer training. All right. 
My dad tried to do that and he showed up. And there were those days where the weather would just hit him. It was raining. It was a thunderstorm, whether it be snow. And then my dad just could not get out of his bed. Excruciating pain would hit him and he couldn't go. And then you know what happens when you don't show up to these programs after a couple of days? You get kicked out. He tried to do that. And you know what they told him after that? His caseworker told him to go and work at the ticket booths downtown. You know when people, you pay for parking, they told him to go and, and sit out in the parking booth in the colds. Okay, and and collect people's money, and there's nothing wrong with those jobs for people that do that, who do do that. But for my dad's like chronic pain, for his chronic pain in any kind of weather, you think he's gonna show up to work consistently? The fact that he's not in a wheelchair and able to move any part of his body below his neck is a medical miracle, and that doesn't disclude and take away from the pain that he experiences, that his children have seen him, and that his his partner, my mom, has seen him experience. Oh, y'all, I'm gonna try so hard not to get emotional, but because of my childhood, like the things that I had to see my dad go through, I think these people think it's just like, oh, it's just, you know, $49 every two weeks, he, he has to go figure it out. Can a person support themselves? Now that I'm a grown up, I see what how fast a hundred dollar goes. It goes like water. Forty nine dollars every two weeks. So now they put my dad into a lot of emotional distress. Okay, all right. I love my dad, and over the years, I've seen a lot of issues. You know, and and we talk about them, and I I love him through them. But there was a lot of psychological, you know, stress, depression. I've seen my dad go through so many stages of um, everything, drug abuse, because when you tell a man that wasn't lazy, that he's now capable, but isn't just excruciating pain, he has to, and that you don't consider the factors. Oh, dear God, let me get through this one. I used to hear him fight with his caseworker for years can you could try and lie to your children and to your partner and to your family that you handle it the way you were supposed to do to to company protocols i used to hear the way this woman used to talk down to my father like he was a piece of shit when i started seeing these sponsored ads pop up on instagram you know honoring the day of mourning april 28th we're gonna you know uh, uh, we're going to take in consideration and, and remember those who have lost their life. Yes. Um, we're going to consider those who have suffered at a workplace injury. Where is the real care? Let's talk the truth, WSIB. Let's talk the truth, Government of Canada. Let's talk the truth, the, 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 the province of Ontario. Let's talk about people who have been injured because it's not just my dad. There's tons of other people, right, who have suffered who have suffered workplace injuries and nothing has actually been done. And so I'll never forget this. From 2000 to 2012, for 12 years, my family fought this case. I'll never forget this day. There was me, my mom, and my dad sitting in this small little room and they had the panel of judges, okay? This is the Supreme Court. They told us, after you do this, there's nothing else you can do about your case. You have fought your case for 12 years trying to get something more out of these people to make her life better. Um, this is this is it. Whatever happens, this, this is the final say. All right. And we go and then they finally allowed me to speak. And I said, listen, all you guys see is maybe a, a, a strong black man, because that's what I see. 
I see a strong black man, but not how you see it. You see a physically strong black man. So go out and work. Don't be lazy, right? Go out and work. And I see a strong black man because he's endured. He is endured just being spat on. He's endured being said, like, we don't care about your case, right? You guys don't see what you did to his kids. He has children. You know what that meant for us? That we were real broke. You know what that meant? That the church would have to send us food. You know what that meant? That my mom would have to, you know, like really pull up her straps and really like get like make things work. And I don't know. God to God be the glory that my mom was able to, you know, keep us keep us afloat at times and that we had a community of support to help me and my sister. All right. But my dad has other kids. It's it's there's other kids that have suffered, you know, because daddy wasn't able to do a lot of things. And that doesn't feel great as a man. That doesn't feel great as like, a, you know, a man who has kids and a grown man at that, that he wasn't able to. And that's not by choice, you know. And I, I know a lot of people who don't know the story of my dad, you know, and they you, they might just think, I don't know. I don't know what they think. I don't know what their opinions are, but it doesn't matter what their opinions are. OK, like from the inside, I'm telling you what the real nitty gritty is. OK, like. And we got to the court and I remember speaking to them and eventually I started to cry. And I remember the lady at the far left of the table, she took a napkin like, a, uh, you know, she took a Kleenex and she was uh, wiping her tears. And I remember in my head, I was like, thank God. Like I was nervous. I was like four. And again, this, this is literally like the, the mindset I had. I was like, oh, my gosh, like for middle-aged like white white folk like this is not looking too good for us they're not gonna think anything of it i remember her crying and i was just like oh my god maybe maybe i got through to her okay like the inhumane of this situation like i said it's not even just him that you affected you now affected his kids you affected his livelihood you've affected like how i see my dad you've affected where i've had to see my dad and so you know what guess what we won the case we won the case all right they gave us a settlement, and I'll tell you, it wasn't a lump sum. That was a back pay for all the money that he was rightfully owed over the years. And then they said, you know what, we'll pay you for until you're $65, and I'm going to guarantee you our CRB money is more money than my dad gets, okay? Our CRB money that our government's giving to everybody for free for COVID relief is more money than my dad gets every two weeks for the last, uh, since we, since 2012 to now. Okay, over a decade, he's been getting this little money every two weeks that can, you know, it it can't, it can't, it definitely can't. uh, um, If someone was to pay a mortgage on their own, they couldn't do that to buy groceries, to do things for themselves, could go on vacations. It's never been a thing. My family's never gone on a family vacation ever. We've never. Okay. (sighs) And. That money that they gave him, you see how, you know, inflation and society works and capitalism, you know, this society works and things go up in price. And, you know, because things go up in price, the minimum wage has to go up. Companies get people raises. My dad's amount of money since 2012 has never gone up. Again, we make more money with the CRB checks. And for anyone who's not in Canada, the CRB checks every two weeks in Canada is $900. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And so I'm sharing my experience from WSIB. And that's just the surface, y'all. That's just the surface. I could tell you the amount of times in the stories where, you know, my sister would have to run up into the room and like pick my dad up off the bed because he could not move. All the times where, you know, growing up, like I just wanted like, you know, to talk to my dad and my dad's just like on the couch, like curled up into a ball for days because it's just raining for the week. 
there's so many stories there's so many just like <sighs> but nonetheless i just wanted to um give you the preliminary gists and this is not a cap okay this is not a cap wsib let's talk about it let's talk on april 28th when i'm gonna release this video you will be seeing this video on this day let's talk about it let's talk about you know mourning victims and mourning people who have suffered workplace injuries in ontario let's really talk about it and i'm calling for a change I'm really calling for a change because these lifelong um, repercussions that you've allowed, you know, caused my dad to have. Yeah, he's he still can't work. You understand that? My dad still can't work. Right now, it's been raining all week. You know what my dad has been doing? Curled up on a ball in the couch. And so on Instagram, when I show you guys this lively man and all that, he is. He is. That's my dad. He really is lively. To God be the glory. He's lively. He's he's loud. He's fun. He's all these things. And there's a side of my dad that um, people don't get to see. My dad never asked for sympathy. When I asked my dad, Dad, how are you? I'm good. I said, Dad, you're in pain, right? He's like, ah, it's all right. Something I got to live with, right? Getting an hour of sleep every night because the pain is licking him. So WSIB, I'm calling for a change, right? I'm calling for justice. 21 years later, this is a daughter. This is the actual family member of somebody who suffered an immense workplace injury and i'm calling for action i'm calling for justice for my dad because shit still don't make sense my dad is still not rightfully um accommodated and given his rightful due amount and it hasn't gone up since and furthermore all right some people will say and this is the truth right because wsib they make you sign papers like they said supreme court that's it once you guys get here there's no much there's nothing else you can do from that my dad deserved more. My dad deserved more. And you cannot give him back that time. But my dad does, he did deserve more. And there's tons of people out there that deserve more. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the people who have unfortunately lost a life. And I, my sympathy and my heart goes out to anyone who has, you know, lost a loved one at a workplace injury. Um, and to those who've also suffered injuries, my, my heart goes out to all of you. Right? And, I, and I hope for, for rightful compensation at the minimum. Never mind, we haven't even gone to scratch the psychological, emotional distress that that can cause people that that's not compensated for, that's not accounted for. Right. I'm just talking about the compensation, but that could be another conversation where we talk about what that has mentally done to my father. And so by the grace of God, my dad is still sitting here st in pain. Actually, all week he's been on the couch curled up. And every time I pass him, I'm like, Dad, how you doing? He's like, ah, you know, it is what it is. I'm fine, though. And I, I can tell I go and I cover him with a blanket sometimes at nighttime. Cause I can tell his body's just like itch up. So, Dad, um. Two things I want you to bring us through. Uh, what you remember from that day of the accident? Let's start there. Bring us through what you remember from the accident, how that accident happened. On the 30th of, 30th of May 2000, I was employed at the Brick Furniture Warehouse and I went to work and usually get a break from 2.15 to 2.30. And I went to my supervisor Paul and says, you guys trying to kill somebody inside. And he says, Mr. Barker, you've been hired by the Brick Furniture Warehouse to work. And that is what I was hired. And I says, you're right. And at 23, after break was finished, I'm in a tractor trailer unloading Giovanni tables that came from a, um, a source out west 
outside of Ontario. And I felt the trailer kind of shake, and I thought that uh, the tractor had hitched onto the, the trailer. There was no tractor. Went back in, and as soon as I went back in, I, I got a two-wheel buggy, and the next thing you know, I am seeing a whole set of boxes coming down on me, pinned me under my neck, and I can't breathe, and I feel the bones cracking in my neck. And I said, God, I ain't going out like this. I had, an, it was two of us emptying the trailer. The other guy, he had just got walked out the trailer and um, he wasn't inside. So I'm pinned against the wall and I'm feeling the bones in my neck cracking. I said, God, I ain't going out like this. And I was able to lift these tables off. Found out afterwards it was 1,400 pounds that I had lifted off of my neck. Um, and then I heard a little voice saying, trust me and bow your head, and that's the last thing I recall. Um, long story short, I lay dead for 10 minutes, clinically dead for 10 minutes. And something happened, but we ain't gonna go into that. Mm -hmm. That's for right another now. time. Um, when they revived me, I'm hearing the Medivac helicopter hovering outside, and the people asking where we gonna land the helicopter. They're saying the traffic too heavy, we, we don't have no place to land the helicopter. Somebody said, well, we have enough officers. We got to do an emergency run. So I had police officers lining the road and in front of the ambulance and behind me. And they took me from the brick furniture warehouse in Carville Avenue and took me down to um, St. Michael's. At St. Mike's, I still don't know what's happening. Um, then about 10, 30 in the evening, they had to transfer me from St. Mike's now to Toronto Western. That is when I found out that I got a broken spine and I'm a quadriplegic. Nice, I says. Well, I got to dig deep. If I lay dead for 10 minutes and I'm back in this world, God had a God had a reason for bringing me back into this world. Um, I got a titanium plate hole in my head to my body with four screws, two in left and two in right. Um, Tell them how they put that in there. Well, let's just say, from the thirtieth to the first of June, I had a halo screwed into my skull. I had about eight or nine porters holding me down on the table at Toronto Western, installing a halo without anesthetic. This is crazy. Without anesthetic, y'all, they got to do understand? this to people without anesthetic. You're fully Because aware. they were afraid that I was going to go into shock. So I passed out after the third screw went in, half-inch screw, one it, half-inch screw into my skull. I got two holes here. If you look, you see two holes in front of my head. And I got two holes inside of my head. I had a, a halo. And at the time, they said, I found out after that they, they, I was the first person that they had put um, 40 pounds on my halo to try and pull my, my, my spine, level off my spine because my, my spine was like this. So they, they was trying to get it to come this way and it didn't work. Then they said, well, they're going to go in and try and clean me up on the first. I had the surgery on the first at Toronto Western. But, but for the grace of God, when they went in, 
they had to stop the surgery because a thousand four hundred pounds coming down with that force on my on my top of my head it crushed c three and four that's where I got the um the, the uh, fusion c three and four was pulverized so I found out afterwards that they had to stop the surgery and get a vacuum cleaner to clean out the dust in my neck. I had to cut under my neck and remove my voice box and windpipe and they cleaned out the dust. Then they had to take bone from my right pelvis and put it in. Um, and then they put a plate in front. I had a plate in front my neck. Um, that was a trip. That was a trip. WSIB. Let's there, talk about it. There, Tell them about your case, Rick. There are a bunch of bullshitters. I told them about two. Stephanie. But Stephanie, guy, right? Stephanie was one of my adjudicators, but the man that the man that put me through the ringer was an Indian guy by the name of Sanjay Vagaria. Sanjay Vagaria. This young man had me for four and a half years surviving on $50 every two weeks. That's $100 a month, $1,200 a year. $1,200 a year. <gasps> and I was living at um, in a, with some brothers from my church at Broadway and um, Avenue Road. Is it Avenue Road? No, Broadway and Mount Pleasant, sorry. And it was a winter time. Can't remember the exact year, but it was minus 51. And I told the man I had a cold. I had no money to catch the bus. And the man told me if I didn't go to, to they had sent me to adult upgrading classes at Kennedy and Shepherd. He said if I didn't go, he wouldn't even pay me the $50. And I had to walk from Broadway and Mount Pleasant to Kennedy and Shepherd. Now, when I got there, mind you, like I said, I had a cold. There was no school. The guy that the Indian guy that was running the school, he started to cry. He says, What are you doing here, Mr. Buck? I says, Well, my adjudicator told me to come to classes. He said, Well, there's nobody here, it's minus fifty two. That did. makes me so angry, Dad. Like He made he asked me for his number and he called Sanjay Vagaria and Mr. Vagaria told him, Yes, he told me to come. He says, How dare you? Send Mr. Barkay to walk from Broadway and Mount Pleasant to Shepherd and Kennedy. But anyhow, God is good. God brought me through. And the same guy had to drop me home because I didn't have any money, like I said at the time, because only 50 bucks I was getting. But I went through a lot. I told them, I said, you know what? Oh, like, I was just keeping it short about like my views and things that happened. But I mean, the amount of stories and things that I've I went through, the years, I went through the ringer. Yeah, um, they're so mad. WSIB. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the day of mourning that you w guys are celebrating. W WSIB, so that you guys understand. If you don't, you'll find out. W WSIB was created as a buffer between the employer and the employees to prevent employees suing employers. Employers put money into a pool. Every year, they pay thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars that WSIB has at their disposal to pay, pay out pittance to injured um, workers. Mm -hmm. They changed the law in 1999. Had my accident happened the 30th of May 1999, I would have gotten every dime that 
um, the brick furniture warehouse had settled, was settling with me, I would have gotten that in my hands. But they changed the law, so what they did, they tried to force me to um, go out to work. I can't work. I got a titanium plate. 21 years later, I still can't work. And these sons of bitches, what they tried to do, they tried to force you to take whatever little pittance they give you and sign the sheets because at that point you you living off of nothing you take anything you know what i'm saying the sad part of it is i suffered but what made me win the case when i appealed the case i had uh, for 12 years from 2000 to 2012 is when i i i i had to survive and when i went to the appeals board i don't know if i should call the ju the judge you were there, Jafina, with me along with my, my, my mom. Um, her, her mom came the day when I had to go to the appeals board for the hearing. And the, the, the judge said to me, the person who is supposed to be here looking after your case is right now at present burying their father. And I looked up and I said, God, thank you. Then the woman looked at me and she says, well, I just got your file last night. And what I kind of ran through no amount of telling you how sorry I am for what you had to go through. No amount of money. I don't know how you're still alive for the years that she said she was working at the appeals board with WSIB. But I'll say this. God is an awesome God. Um, but let me just say, after I had my first surgery, I had two surgeries. WSIB sent a manager, a nurse, and a person from the accounting department to where I was um, residing or recovering. And they sent, they had a little check and told me to sign. That's the best that they could have done for me. And I said, I'm not signing anything. When the figures are right, come back. They left, the three personnel left where I was recovering. And three minutes later, the manager had, that had come, he came back and he, he told me point blank. He said, Mr. Barkai, it's off the record. Let me tell you something. I'm not telling you that you made the right decision or the wrong decision. He said, but off the record, if WSIB knew that you would have been coming back on your feet, they would have paid the doctor a million dollars to kill you in the operating room. And it is certainly correct. It hurts. But WSIB would prefer to pay the doctors or the medical personnel to kill you than to pay you for the rest of your life. And then there's going to be the naysayers. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't do that. You know? Like, nah, y'all don't understand. $50 so every two weeks, okay? <laughs> I, I fast forward to when I had the appeal. I went for the appeal. And uh, the judge that was um, reviewing the case, she called it Mr. Vergadio. Sanjay Vergadio, and she asked him if she ha he had a client by the name of John Barker, and he says yes. She says, well, I have him sitting in front of me right now at the appeals board, and she says, could I ask you a question? Could you survive on $50 every two weeks? There was no response on the phone. My daughter was there, and her mother was there. He couldn't respond. She says, well, when I'm finished with this case, I'm going to call you and talk to you. And I expect you to be at your desk when I call. 
that woman has helped me yet still what i get i mean i can survive i can live that i told them off record I, I didn't tell you yet but i told them that what you get every two weeks is still less than what crb that the government is giving out for free to everybody who was well, affected by put COVID. this way it yes is less. I, I, it is it is yes but that's, i'll say this um, and that know. never went up from when all inflation no, and them things the other up. part of it is when i had the injury I was working for I think it's about seven or eight dollars or something like that. Inflation, etc., etc. Every year they send me a letter at the beginning of the year saying that a one percent increase. Minimum wage in Ontario is fifteen dollars. I do not get fifteen dollars an hour. I get whatever little pittance they get. But I'll tell you one thing: I do not. I will not. They got to sleep at night. But WSIB, you're a bunch of crooks. Yeah, Calm as a bitch. WSIB are crooks. But it hurts to know that they got many people. I know of people who have lost their lives. And they haven't even gotten a wreath. Remember those who have lost their life and those who have been injured at a workplace injury. Um, walking proof. We're remembering. Let me tell you something. And, and love to all the families who have been also affected by this. It's a real thing. It happens every single day. And we're just oh, causing, yeah. oh, and yeah. we're calling for change because we need honest change from, you know, WSIB and, you know, organizations uh, fed by government to make a, a difference and help families. So true. Peace, y'all. Blessed love.